Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal vs Leicester City Saturday, August the 13th, 2022 Kick-off 3pm The contents Captain's notes Around Arsenal Sustainability Player feature Mohamed Elmany Community voice Academy Young Gun Around the Academy Arsenal Women Visitors Leicester City Match action, Crystal Palace versus Arsenal, and teams. Martin Odegaard, Captain Notes. First, I'm grateful to the boss for the opportunity. I'm going to really enjoy it and be happy every time I pull on the armband for this club. It's a big achievement for me to be a leader of such a good team, so I'll make sure I give my best in every game, in every session and off the pitch as well. I captained the team during pre-season, but I didn't think much more about it until the boss asked me if I wanted to do the job before the start of the season. Of course, it felt great when he asked me. I'm very honoured to do it, but I don't think I'll do anything especially different. I don't feel any special pressure with it. Obviously, there's a little bit more responsibility, but I think I'll carry on what I'm doing in the squad. I'm sure I'll learn more as I do the job, but I enjoy the responsibility and hopefully I can grow more with time as well. It's important that we all take leadership in the team too. It's not just about me or a few people. I think everyone needs to take the leadership and do what's best for the team. We have a very good dressing room, and everyone is together in doing our best this season. That's what I want to focus on now, and hopefully continue the good start we've had. It was a really good result at Crystal Palace last weekend. I spoke before the game about how we needed to fight to earn the right to play there, and that's what we did. I think that shows how we're improving as a side in different areas of the game. Maybe in the past we've struggled to win those types of games, but I think we showed that now we've improved on that side. We looked more mature, and were able to win at a very difficult place in a different way to usual. We started the game so strongly, we dominated from the start, and that's the way we want to play. Obviously the game changed a bit after that, which can happen, and you have to adapt, but we want to play the game the way we did in the first 25 minutes. We adapted well after that though. We played a bit more ugly, defended well in the second half, and you have to be able to do that in the Premier League. The whole team defended well, 
and worked hard, but I have to say that William Saliba has been brilliant lately. He's really impressed me over the past few weeks, in pre-season as well, because I hadn't seen too much of him before. But what he's doing now is really, really impressive. He's still so young too, so we're lucky to have him, and surely he'll just get better and better with time. All the new players have settled well so far, and I know that it's important that I build a good understanding with Gabriel Jesus early as well. Against Palace, we didn't have too many combinations, but he did play me in for the chance in the second half. I should have taken a shot, and that would have been a great start for us together. But I think our combination play was really good in pre-season, and we have a great connection in training too. I enjoy so much playing with him, so hopefully we can see more of that in the next games. For my chance against Palace, I was thinking to take a touch a bit more to the left, and then I took it to the right instead, and I felt the player was more in front of me than he actually was. When I saw the clip back, I wasn't happy with it, but you have to learn from it, always improve, and hopefully next time I'll take the shot and score. I know it was the wrong decision, of course. The important thing is that we got the win, and we want to carry on our run today. Leicester have got a lot of quality, in midfield especially. Up front as well they have very strong players who can create danger at any moment. We know they're a threat throughout the game, on counter-attacks, and can also make something happen with the quality they have on the ball. So it's a good team, but we have to focus on ourselves, especially being back here at home. We want to be on our toes and keep the momentum going, and we know our supporters will help with that. When I first arrived here two seasons ago, all the games were played behind closed doors, but last season I really saw what the atmosphere can be like here at the Emirates. It got better and better throughout the season. I feel like the team and the supporters are getting closer to each other. We really appreciate all the support we're getting, and we can see how important it is to be properly connected with each other. I'm really looking forward to seeing everyone here again for this game. We've had a good preparation again this week, and we're ready to go. I've enjoyed my first few weeks as captain, and I feel like I'm adapting to it well. On the pitch I haven't changed so much. I'm not somebody who speaks too much with referees, but also it's important to communicate and make sure everything goes as well as possible. The main thing is the team though, and making sure that's all going well. Off the pitch too it was great to spend some time with the rest of the club staff on Tuesday. We had a staff barbecue at the training ground, so it was great for us to be together with everyone working for the club, get to know them and find out more about what everyone does. We all work for the same club, we all want the same thing, and we all want to achieve big things. So it was great to see so many colleagues enjoying themselves. It was a really nice afternoon. Let's hope it's another great afternoon today. Get behind the team. And on behalf of all the players, thanks for your fantastic support. Around Arsenal. Five arrive. We have secured the services of five new first-team players since the end of last season. First up, American goalkeeper Matt Turner arrived from New England Revolution. The 28-year-old stopper was named MLS Goalkeeper of the Year for 2021. He made his international debut in January 2021 and went on to represent the United States at the 2021 CONCACAF Gold Cup where he was named goalkeeper of the tournament after keeping five clean sheets, including in the 1-0 final win over Mexico. Matt is squad number 30. Next, young Portuguese midfielder Fabio Vieira 
joined us from Porto. The Portugal under-21 star had a fantastic second half of last season, which saw him score six goals and make nine assists in just 12 starts after Christmas and was the Premier League's midfielder of the month in April. Fabio has been recovering from a minor foot injury, but the 22-year-old could be available for today's match. He will wear number 21. Another Portuguese-speaking youngster, Brazilian Marquinhos, joined us from hometown club Sao Paulo in June. The 19-year-old wide forward made 33 senior appearances and was part of the squad that won the Campeonato Paulista in 2021 and he has represented Brazil at under-16 and under-17 levels. Our new number 27 has already looked assured in pre-season and played a starring role in our under-21 team's winning start to the season. More details elsewhere in the programme. Gabriel Jesus needed no introduction on his arrival from Manchester City, and the Brazilian number 9 hit the ground running with seven goals in five pre-season games, including a hat-trick against Sevilla in the Emirates Cup. The 25-year-old striker, who can also play deeper or out wide, won four league titles with City, as well as one FA Cup and three League Cups. A teenage sensation at first club Palmeiras, he made his debut age 17 and has been a full Brazil international since 2016. Treat yourself to a giant Gabriel Jesus poster in the centre pages of today's programme. Lastly, another arrival of high pedigree from Manchester City came in the form of Alexandra Zinchenko. Also 25, unlike Gabriel Jesus, he had also worked with Mikel Arteta at City. Alex is extremely versatile, having excelled at left-back and in midfield at the Etihad. He came through the Shakhtar Donetsk Academy, moving to FC Ufa in Russia in 2015. He signed for Man City in June 2016, where he won four league titles, four league cups and an FA Cup. He has 52 Ukraine caps, and was outstanding in their World Cup playoff matches against Scotland and Wales last month. Our new number 35 claimed an assist on his competitive debut last weekend, with a canny header back across goal for Gabriel Martinelli to open the scoring at Selhurst Park. Premier League changes. Premier League matches can now feature five substitutions from both teams. These additional substitutes for each team were used during the pandemic, but has now been made a permanent law for season 2022-23. Matches in the PL will now also feature a multi-ball system, keeping our new ball squad on their toes as every effort is made to keep the game flowing. Lastly, after discussions with their teammates, Premier League club captains have decided to use specific moments during the upcoming campaign to take the knee to amplify the message that racism has no place in football or society. Players took the knee at the opening match of the season, will do likewise at the last match of the campaign, as well as for No Room for Racism match rounds in October and March, Boxing Day and the FA Cup and EFL Cup Finals. Ref Watch Today's referee is Darren England from Doncaster. This is his first Premier League match of the season having officiated in 15 last season, handing out 59 yellow cards and one red. His only Arsenal match was the final away game of the season at Newcastle. 
relatively new to the Premier League list, the 37-year-old's only other experience officiating the Gunners was our 5-0 EFL Cup victory over Nottingham Forest in 2019. Thank you. Two of our longest-serving players left in the summer. Alexandre Lacazette left us for hometown club Olympic Lyonnais, from where we had originally signed Laca back in July 2017. In his five years here, the French forward played 206 games, scored 71 goals and was a member of the 2020 FA Cup winning squad. Goalkeeper Bernd Leno has made the short trip to West London, joining newly promoted Fulham. The reliable German stopper signed for us from Bayer Leverkusen in June 2018 and made 125 first-team appearances for the Gunners. He too was a member of the 2020 FA Cup winning squad. Three other first-team squad members have left the club permanently after spending extended periods on loan recently. Konstantinos Mavropanos has headed to VFB Stuttgart in Germany after spending over four years with Arsenal, making eight first-team appearances. Matteo Guendouzi has joined Olympic Marseille after four years with the Gunners, playing 82 times and scoring once, and most recently, Lucas Torreira, headed to Galatasaray also after four years with us. Lucas played 89 times for us, scoring four goals, including a very memorable one against Tottenham, of course. Nuno Tavares, Falarin Belogan and Arthur Okonkwo have all departed on loan this season. More details elsewhere in the programme. New numbers. There have been three significant squad number changes during the close season. Aaron Ramsdale is now the new number one after previously being number 32. Gabriel Martinelli is now number 11, vacating the number 35 top. Finally, Eddie Nicotia is our new number 14 after previously wearing number 30. The full first team squad list featuring nationalities and numbers is at the end of this communication. Welcome Phoebe. Today's mascot is Phoebe who is a 13-year-old junior gunner from West Sussex. Phoebe loves the gunners and says her favourite players are Vivienne Medima, Leah Williamson and Beth Mead. Have an amazing day at Emirates, Phoebe. Best of luck, Nikita and Fran. Last Saturday we said goodbye to our Euro 2022 winning lioness Nikita Paris, who has joined Manchester United. Nikita joined us in July 2021 and made 38 appearances during the 2021-22 season, scoring six goals. She marked her debut with a goal in our 4-0 win over Ochseptes in the UEFA Women's Champions League on August 18, 2021. Gunners goalkeeper Fran Stenson has joined Barclays Women's Championship side Birmingham City on loan for the 2022-23 season. The 21-year-old joined us from Manchester City in 2019 and has since spent valuable time on loan at both Blackburn Rovers and Brighton and Hove Albion. More information on the latest news from Arsenal women elsewhere in the programme. Jack's back. Last month, Mehmet Ali and Jack Wilshire were unveiled as the new head coaches of our under-21 and under-18 sides respectively. Mehmet joined us as our under-23 assistant coach back in January and following a positive six months, he will now take on the role of head coach for our under-21s, 
as well as our professional development phase lead. Max Porter will be joining Mehmet's team as the under-21s assistant coach following his promotion where he was previously assistant coach to our under-18s. Jack was of course a former academy graduate himself who made 197 Arsenal appearances between 2008 and 2018 during which time he won the FA Cup in 2014 and 2015 and the FA Youth Cup in 2009. After a spell working with the club last year as he earned his coaching qualifications, Jack's back working at the club in a permanent role as the head coach of our under-18s. Adam Birchall will join Jack as our new under-18s assistant coach alongside his new role as under-17s head coach, moving from his previous position as our under-16s head coach. Adam developed through our academy as a player before enjoying a playing career spanning 11 years and over 300 appearances. In 2016, Adam rejoined us as a coach and has gained valuable experience throughout the age groups. Talking about his new role, Mehmet said, It's a great honour and privilege to be a part of this club and leader under 21s. I've already had six good months at the club, so I've got a sound understanding of the players. I'm now really excited and looking forward to continue working with the group and playing my part in developing strong young gunners. Jack was equally thrilled with his new role. It's a huge honour to have this role, said the former midfield prodigy. It's no secret that I love this club. I love what we stand for, and a big part of my life was spent in this academy. Some of the best days of my life. Good luck to Mehmet, Jack, Max and Adam as they embark on new journeys in the Arsenal Academy. Read more from our strong young gunners in the Around the Academy section of the programme. Welcome new Rocky 7 cohort. Set up in memory of the legendary David Rowcastle last year, on the 20th anniversary of his death, the Rocky 7 project is a leadership programme that guides and mentors young people from a range of community outreach programmes giving them valuable life skills, volunteering opportunities and the confidence to be leaders in their own community. After the successful launch with our first cohort of seven recipients, the project has expanded. With the new group of 15 recently enjoying career days at Emirates Stadium alongside the programmes in which they are enrolled. They enjoyed a behind-the-scenes tour with security manager Paul Harney seeing some of the areas not usually open to the public, and also got to meet Emirates Stadium's head ground person, Alan Russell, who explained the complexities of modern pit management. From everyone at Arsenal and the Rowcastle family, we hope all the young people involved with Rocky 7 have a fantastic season. Terry Neal, 1942-2022 It was with great sadness that the club learned of the recent death of former manager and captain Terry Neal, aged 80. Terry was associated with the club for over 20 years, firstly as a player, having joined us as a 17-year-old from Bangor City in his native Northern Ireland in December 1959. The midfielder's combination of tenacity, vision and natural leadership soon forced him into first-team reckoning making his debut against Sheffield Wednesday on December 23, 1960. Just two years later, aged 20, he was appointed Arsenal's youngest ever captain by new boss Billy Wright. 
Terry was a regular performer throughout the decade under Wright and then Bertie Mee, making 275 first-team appearances in total for the club, scoring 10 goals, before being transferred to Hull City in the summer of 1970, where he took on a player-manager role. His illustrious playing career also featured 59 caps for Northern Ireland, whom he also captained and player-managed, as well as a stint as PFA chairman in 1967. After impressing at Hull, Terry was appointed manager of Tottenham Hotspur in September 1974, and in June 1976 made the short trip back to Highbury to take over the manager role vacated by Bertie Mee. He was still only 34 years of age. He pulled off a masterstroke by bringing in former teammate and supreme tactician Don Howe to work alongside him and the Gunners became one of the most effective cup teams in the country. They reached three successive FA Cup finals from 1978, famously winning the five-minute final with a 3-2 win over Manchester United in 1979. His team also reached the 1980 European Cup Winners' Cup final, agonisingly losing to Valencia on penalties. A seven-season spell as manager featuring four top-six finishes came to an end in December 1983. Despite not working in football management again, Terry remained a regular presence at Highbury, then Emirates Stadium, including being a popular TV pundit and columnist in numerous publications. Terry Neal's status as both club captain and manager made him a major influence on 20th century Arsenal. His fantastic contribution, and indeed his character, will always be appreciated by everyone associated with the club. Our thoughts are with Terry's family and close friends at this difficult time. Pat remembers Terry. In 1977, Terry Neal persuaded long-time Northern Ireland teammate Pat Jennings to move across North London from Tottenham to join his new Arsenal project, despite having spent over 13 years at White Hart Lane. Vastly experienced at 32 years old, Pat excelled for the Gunners across eight seasons, playing 327 games, including four major finals, and he had a very special place in his heart for his former teammate and manager. It's very sad news, said Pat. He was a massive influence in my career. Terry was in the Northern Ireland side when myself and George Best made our debuts in 1964, and we were together when he later took over as manager. I had a few seasons with him at Spurs before he moved on to Arsenal. Then he brought me to the Gunners. They were four-year contracts and had a big impact on my career. It wasn't just Terry the manager that Pat admired. Terry was a brilliant player and to spend as long as he did at Arsenal speaks volumes for how good he was, said Pat, who played a record 119 times for Northern Ireland. You feel for the family as they feel the loss the most. Terry was a great teammate and very proud of his achievements. He had a wonderful career. NMR Shirts for Young Role Models The No More Red initiative launched in January with Adidas to support the long-standing work being done by Arsenal in the community to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Within that, one of the aims was to spotlight the work of young people who have made a positive difference, and today we celebrate Kush and Jelly for the work they have put into Arsenal in the community programmes and beyond. Kush was brought up in family full of Arsenal fans. 
She learned to play sax through her school music program and has many musical interests, from DJing, playing in a band to organising gigs. And Kush is passionate about politics too, from protesting to mobilising young people to vote. Kush is working on building her career in music as a radio presenter. Jelly grew up in Islington and is a huge Arsenal fan. He has always loved football and played in the Arsenal Community Programme, which led on to coaching. Through Arsenal in the community, Jelly also gained experience in shooting and directing films and went on to study film at university. Both of our very worthy recipients will receive their white jerseys on the pitch before kick-off. Please give these two fantastic young people a warm round of applause. Maria Petri, 1939-2022 Readers will have heard the very sad news of the recent death of Maria Petri, a truly legendary supporter. It's very difficult to put into words what Maria meant to everyone involved at Arsenal Football Club, players, staff and fellow supporters. Rarely can it be said that games just won't be the same without a supporter. But Maria's presence, her legendary Come On You Gunners, and many supportive songs created over the decades will truly leave a void on match days at Emirates Stadium, Meadow Park and wherever we are playing away. Maria began following Arsenal in 1950, aged just 12, and remained a staunch supporter for the rest of her life. She was a regular presence at men's first team, reserve and youth team matches, and when Arsenal ladies were formed in 1987, she took them to her heart and became synonymous with the team based at Boreham Wood. There are so many Maria memories down the years, celebrating cup finals with the women's team, being visited by Ray Parler with the FA Cup during the pandemic, singing her Beth Mead song with Mido herself. But whoever she was with, every picture of Maria was lit up by her wonderful smile, and the smiles of everyone around her, energised by her infectious positivity. The former school teacher was determined to be an upbeat vocal presence at games amid occasional negativity as a female fan in her earlier years as a supporter. But she was unflinchingly positive, no matter what the circumstances of the game, and we hope that as a tribute to Maria, supporters will be spurred on to harness her optimism and spirit in memory of this very special fan. Maria often said that Arsenal was her family and that family was devastated by the news of her death. She also said, I shall be oh so upset when I die. I won't be able to watch Arsenal anymore. You've been one in a million, and we'll never forget you, Maria. Rest in peace. Notice board. Totalizer. £100. Happy wedding day to Gunas, Lane and Casey. Early start watching the game in San Diego before becoming Mr and Mrs Carter. Wishing five-year-old George a super day at his first ever Arsenal match. Love mum, dad and Alice. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 10th birthday, Charlie Lang. All our Guna love, mummy and daddy and nana. Also welcome to Charlie's friend, Jamilio, at his first game at Emirates. Paul Chopping. Happy 50th birthday. Enjoy the game. Love Jane, Jenna and George. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy first Arsenal game, George Sweeney. We love your G. Jesus shirt. C-O-Y-G. Congratulations, Adam and Becca, on your engagement. Hopefully one of you isn't too disappointed with today's result. Love, Jarmilla Rose. 
Congratulations, Ange and Dan Evely, who were married on August 10th, 2022. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Welcome Ellie Erin Lear to the world, born June 15th, 2022. Joining her brother, Dennis Henry. Joseph Phelps. Hope you enjoy your first ever game watching the Gunners at Emirates. Welcome to Arsenal FC. Love mum and dad. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 13th birthday, Dami Owolabi, who is here today with his dad. Enjoy your special day. From mum and dad. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Harper Leon from Harlow, Essex, is attending her first ever live match at Emirates today with her daddy. Come on, Arsenal. Happy 50th birthday, Mark Ponzini. Love Catherine, Oliver, Luca and all the family. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Congratulations on your engagement, Joseph and Shanice. Here's to a lifetime of supporting the Arsenal. Hashtag happily ever Aquaboa. A warm welcome to Mikola on his first ever visit to Emirates Stadium. Enjoy the game. Arsenal remembers Ron Kinsella. With great sadness, we announce our friend and fellow gunner Ron has passed away. Many will remember the larger-than-life character on the door at the supporters' club. He is missed by everyone, always in our hearts and never far away. Patrick Watts, lifelong gooner, sadly passed away suddenly June 28, 2022. Leaves behind his beloved gooners, Julie, Wendy, Jack and Josh. Nat Levine, a loyal supporter since 1931. Peacefully passed away, aged 99. A gooner through thick and thin, and I'll think of you at every match, Sue. Tom Towie, a proud Irish gooner. The strongest man I've ever known in every sense. R.I.P. Your son-in-law, David Jordan. Julian Grimes, died peacefully in Walthamstow and will be lovingly remembered by his wife of 50 years, Willina, his children, Maxine and Ben, and grandchildren, Ashton, Archie and Reuben. Joe Belitis, grew up in Highbury Hill, and one of 11 children, all loyal Arsenal fans. His photography business on Upper Street saw him become a well-known figure in the photography world in Islington, working for the Islington Gazette, Sadler's Wells and the Gunners. He will be remembered by his three children, Adrian, Lawrence and Poppy, and 23 nephews and nieces. Events today. There will be special tributes to Terry Neal and Maria Petri before the match today. A Supporters Player of the Year award will also take place before the game and keep an eye out for a new giant TIFO created by our friends at Ashburton Army and 1886 which has been created by the fans, for the fans. Last but not least, listen out for Dat Brass, who will be providing entertainment in various places around the stadium today. Back by popular demand after appearing at the last game of the last season. The turbocharged 10-piece hip-hop jazz-tronic outfit, a thrill to be able to entertain the Arsenal faithful again today. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal vs Fulham. Premier League, Saturday, August 27th. Kick-off, 5.30pm. This is a Category C fixture. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Red, Cannon and Junior Gunner members via the Ticket Exchange service up until 2.30pm on Saturday, August 27th. Arsenal vs Aston Villa, Premier League, Wednesday, August 31st, 
Kickoff 7.30pm. This is a Category B fixture. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Red, Cannon and Junior Gunner members via the Ticket Exchange service up until 4.30pm on Wednesday, August 31st. Arsenal vs Everton. Premier League, Sunday, September 11th, kick-off 2pm. This is a Category B fixture. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Red, Cannon and Junior Gunner members. Arsenal vs Tottenham, Premier League. Saturday, October 1st, kick-off 12.30pm. This is a Category A fixture. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Red, Cannon and Junior Gunner members. Away tickets. Bournemouth vs Arsenal. Premier League, Saturday, August 20th, kick-off 5.30pm. This fixture sold out to all Platinum, Gold and Current Travel Club members 40-plus away points. Manchester United vs Arsenal. Premier League, Saturday, September 4th, kick-off 4.30pm. Priority booking, period number one. Tickets went on sale on Friday, August 5th. Please check arsenal.com for availability. Sustainability As a new season starts, it is an exciting time at Arsenal as we begin a new push towards becoming a more sustainable football club. We are proud of the progress we made last year, but there is so much more to do. To make sure sustainability is integrated completely into the club, we have spent the summer working on a sustainability strategy that will embed sustainability into the heart and soul of Arsenal. We want this strategy to guide us and be focused in the right direction. By using our commitment to the United Nations framework and its targets for carbon net zero as a starting point, we are committing to short and medium term targets that will push us. But we aren't solely about net zero. We want to take a view that relates to us, the Arsenal family as a whole. As fans, you know we aren't any ordinary football club. We want to blaze a trail, be innovative and brave in our outlook, just like we always have been. After the success of our under-16s tour of Scotland, where the players chose to plant trees, eat vegetarian and vegan food, and travel by train instead of plane, we hope we can take the lessons from this tour and use them across the club. We are proud of the matchday programme-inspired Arsenal Forest, which has been so impactful to both the environment and the area in Kenya, where we have helped to create jobs and change the lives of those involved. Concerted efforts continue to reduce our plastic waste and we seek new ways to reduce our consumption of other materials. We have more electric vehicle chargers being installed across our sites and there will be other initiatives which you will start to see and read about. Lessons were learnt from our participation in Southampton's Greener Game and we will be working with our friends at other football clubs and across all sports to make sure we are doing our utmost to raise the profile of sustainability causes. Sustainability isn't just about Arsenal, it's about the whole Arsenal family. You, the fans, are crucial to us becoming better. We grow again. 
After the hugely positive reaction last season and the fantastic engagement from supporters, we have committed to another year expanding the Arsenal Forest. Our scheme enables us to offset the carbon produced in the creation of the Match Day programme, and we will plant another 12,500 trees throughout 2022-23 to ensure our publication is carbon neutral once again. The offsetting is great for the environment, but we are equally as proud of what we have been able to do in the community of Bore in Kenya where so many people have benefited from our sustainable initiative. To recap, 16,000 trees have now been planted. 37 acres of deforested and degraded scrub has been cleared, fenced and protected. We employ 60 local women who use the money to educate their children and set up businesses. 120 farmers are supported with employment in the establishment of the plantation. Supporters can buy trees in the forest as gifts for their own carbon offsetting. So far, fans have bought close to 4,000 trees. Local football team Bore Lions Football Club are supported with Arsenal kit and equipment. The award-winning scheme has attracted media interest at home and abroad. We will keep you informed of what's happening at the Arsenal Forest throughout the season. Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. Over 16,000 are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5 acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 trees for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small sustainable step in the right direction and also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what a unique gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code in the programme for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Net Zero Heroes Every issue we hear how a member of the Arsenal women's squad is thinking about sustainability. First up is legendary central defender Jen Beatty. Last season, we heard how Jen champions a life without fast fashion, and today she tells us about a long-standing change she made to her diet. I've been thinking about how we impact the environment for quite a long time now, and five years ago I decided to move to a vegan diet, says Jen, who's played 134 times for Arsenal across two spells. I made this decision after reading about the reduced emissions associated with a plant-based diet from both greenhouse gases and the energy used in production. It also means I eat less processed food too, and if I'm honest, I actually feel better from a health point of view. Now I don't have meat in my diet, so it's a win-win. Supporting Sustainability whether your match day is travelling to Emirates Stadium, going to every away game, watching at your local pub, or waking up on the other side of the world in the middle of the night and stumbling down to your sofa, 
We want to hear how you have made Match Day more sustainable. And if we feature your story in the Match Day programme, we will plant 25 trees in our Arsenal forest for you, complete with a fantastic certificate and the exact coordinates of your little bit of Arsenal in Africa. Our first fans are Jack Priest and his partner Mira. We're lucky enough to live just about within walking distance in Highgate, so last season we decided to walk to and from every game we attended. It's a four or five mile round trip, says Jack. It's an amazing way to soak in the atmosphere which builds as you get closer to the ground. We can walk down Holloway Road or the more scenic Parkland Walk. We see lots of fans either way. After the Brentford game last season, it was pouring down with rain. But, despite having our phones and the possibility to use various apps to call a cab, there we were, walking up Holloway Road with smiles on our faces, talking about the win. Being environmentally conscious, we're also loving the new Camden reusable cups at the stadium, and we reuse our drawstring bags, which came from the armoury, to bring our raincoats to the match, just in case. Thanks, Jack and Mira. It's fantastic to hear your sustainability story. Player feature. Inspirational. Mo Elneny. We speak to our first team players about where they find their inspiration. Mohamed Elneny's main inspirations can be summed up fairly easily. The desire to win and the memory of his late mother, who sacrificed so much to help him realise his dream of becoming a professional footballer. In this exclusive interview, the Egypt international midfielder tells us all about what inspires him on a daily basis and how his early days shaped his winning mentality. In El Mahala El Kubra, northern Egypt, back in July 1992, Mohamed Elneny was born into a life in football. It was always going to be that way. Call it fate, destiny, or just an incredible determination to succeed on behalf of himself and his parents. But Mo's path into the sport was mapped out from his very first day of existence. His father, Nasser Elneny, was a footballer and then coach himself and had a similar vision for his son from the very beginning. From the moment I was born, literally on that day, my dad told everyone I would become a footballer, Mohammed begins. That's how it happened. My mum and dad decided that day what I would be. It's funny, how did they know? Maybe they had a strong feeling, like it was destiny for me. They wanted me to become a footballer from the first day, and as I grew up, I loved it. But how did they know? Because sometimes your parents might want you to become a doctor, but if you don't feel it, you cannot do it. The same with football. If you don't love it growing up, then you cannot become a footballer. They cannot make you do it. But I always loved it. I always felt it in me and always wanted to do it. My dad was a footballer and because of my dad, my whole family would play football in the street, he adds. All of my family love football so much. When I was growing up, the one thing I saw every day was football. I saw my dad playing for his club, and I would sometimes go to watch, and when I wasn't watching, he would take me to the fields to play. When I was growing up, 
Everything in my life was football. It wasn't long until young Mohammed's passion for football started to manifest itself as a clear talent as well. I started playing when I was three years old, the midfielder explains. When I started kicking a ball, everyone, my dad, his friends, they all said I was different. Even when I was three, I had a really strong shot, and usually at that age you can't kick a ball that well. But I was playing with a real football, and people were saying back then that I would become a good footballer. Also, I started off at a big club in Egypt as well, called Al-Ali, so that made me think that I always wanted to play at the top level. It changed my life, really. Because I had started at a big club, I learned to have a winning mentality from a very young age. That was what I knew from when I first started playing. I'm not joking, but at that first club, if we only won 7-0, I swear there would be punishment for us, because they always demanded more from us, even in the youth teams. 7-0 was not enough. That environment created something in me. Even after a big win, they would say, you could have won by more, why didn't you? This is when I was about six or seven years old, and that created a big mentality in me. That tough mentality, will to win and in fact compulsion to be playing for trophies and honours, has stuck with him ever since. After serving his apprenticeship in Egyptian football, Mo joined Swiss Super League club Basel in 2013, aged 20. He won the league title in each of his four seasons at the club before moving to Arsenal in early 2016, winning the FA Cup in his first full season and reaching cup finals in each of the next two campaigns. Being in the hunt for silverware, competing at the top end of whatever league he happens to be playing in, is a major part of his daily motivation. As I said, I started out at a very big club in Egypt, he said, and 100% I was proud to be at a big club like Al Ali, and it inspired me to do better. It still inspires me now. I play for one of the best clubs in the world, and sometimes when I see the badge, see my name on the shirt, it makes me stop and think. It makes me proud. It's what I dreamed of when I was young, and now I am here. Playing for one of the best clubs in the world is something that is incredible for me. It's funny because I have always told myself that I cannot play for a team that isn't always fighting for trophies. Throughout my career, at whatever level I've played, I've always been at a team that can fight for the trophies. I need that to inspire me and motivate me. Some smaller clubs are just happy to stay in the league or are not fighting for trophies. I cannot do that. I mean, really, I can't do that. I need the motivation of playing for something to win. Always it's been like that, whatever level I played at. When I played in Switzerland, I was at Basel and we won the league four times. My agent said to me at some points, this club is interested in you. And I would say, no, I couldn't go. Even if it's a bigger club elsewhere, I need to be playing where we fight for trophies. I just want to win. I need to win something. Just playing to stay in the league is not enough. It was the same when I went out on loan three years ago. I had lots of options from different clubs, some in England, some in Italy, but none of them were playing for anything. So when Besiktas came in and I saw that they are one of the best clubs in Turkey, always playing for the league and the cups, I said, yes, I will go there. I need to have that motivation. 
I am inspired by winning, even when I play with my kids. I need that competition. Mo has two children, a son and a daughter, though he says it's his son, Malik, who's more likely to follow his father's and grandfather's footsteps into football. And when it comes to Malik's competitive spirit, it's not hard to see who he takes after. Last week I was playing a PlayStation game with my son, Mo explains. He's still young, nine years old, so of course sometimes I let him have a chance, but this time he kept saying, Dad, this time I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you. I said, OK, are we playing seriously this time? He said, yes, I'm going to win. So, before, when I might have let him win, this time I beat him. Because he kept saying it was a serious game. He's nine years old, but I don't like to lose. If we are having fun, then OK, I let him win. But when he says it's a serious game, no chance. But he has the same mentality as me. He plays football and I said to him, you can never be happy if you come home after losing a game. It's about winning. You can't be happy to lose. He loves football too. He won the best player in the league last season. He plays on the left wing. I want him to be in midfield, but he's very good on the wing and he scores goals. Mo's children and his wider family are now sources of inspiration in his everyday life. But one person dominates his thoughts whenever he needs extra motivation during the hard times. My mum, he says. She passed away 15 years ago. She always believed in me. When I was a kid, we would travel from my hometown to Cairo to go to training. That is a two-hour journey because, unfortunately, mine wasn't a rich family, so we didn't have the money to go by car. We had to use public transport. So we would wake up at four o'clock in the morning, walk in the dark for 30 minutes, then wait for the train. The train took two hours and we would wait for the bus and it was a specific bus we had to catch. If we missed that one, we had no way of getting to training. Then I would go training and do the same on the way home. We made this journey three times every week. This was when I was six years old. To get to training each time, my mum used to do that for me. And also, my little sister had just been born, so my mum had a baby as well to take with her. Three times a week, every single week. I couldn't even do that in a private car. In Egypt, that was very difficult, especially for a woman. Then, after she took me training, she would come home, clean the house, cook for us, look after us. My mum was just incredible. It's those memories of travelling down to Al-Ali's Cairo training camp that spur on Mo still now, 24 years later. Now, whenever I drive to London Colney and I ever think it's difficult for me for just one moment, I remember what my mother had to do and I realise how easy it is for me now. I am really grateful for what my family have done for me. I am really thankful for everything. I use her memory to inspire me now. My mum is not with me now, but I will always remember what she did for me and I want to become the best I can be, not just for me, but for my mum. She really believed in me and one of the big reasons I'm where I am now is because of her. Mo was just 15 when his mother died and it was a particularly tough year for the El Neni family as it came at the same time that his long-standing relationship with Al-Ali came to an end. 
just when the young midfielder was having thoughts of soon becoming professional. Yes, my mum died at the same time that the club I was at kicked me out, he recalls. It was the same year. I had played ten years there, I was the captain there, and then one of the coaches said they don't want me anymore. They decided I wasn't good enough anymore, so that was a very hard year for me. For my dad as well, of course. He had given everything for me to be a footballer, to be where I was. Everything was going well. We had built something amazing. Then, all of a sudden, in just one second, everything was on the floor. That's what happened to my dad. When I told him what the club had said to me, I swear his world was smashed. I said to him, Dad, I'm going to make you proud of me. Because I knew what he had given, what it meant to him as well. All the travelling and everything. I always kept believing and wanting to become a footballer. But when I went to a new club, the first year was very difficult. I only played about two games that year when I was 16. And that year I said to my dad, I want to go back home instead. That was Alma Corlun. My dad said to wait, see how it goes, and the next year was the year that I played first-team football. It changed my life, because then soon I got the move to Europe when I signed for Basel. All of these life experiences have made Mo, who turned 30 last month, the man he is today, and shaped a career that has seen him win five major trophies and earn nearly 100 caps for his country. Now he himself is inspiring the next generation, starting right at home with his own son. Yes, but I keep telling him the importance of hard work, Mo confirms. His life is very different to how mine was when I was his age. I tell him that nothing comes easy. I tell him all the time that I had to wait for a train and a bus just to get to training. I tell him that he has to work hard. He was born in Switzerland, but I have taken him to Egypt, shown him where I grew up, how it was for me, and I tell him that nothing comes for free. You have to work hard and you have to be patient. That's what gives you the winning mentality. Community Voice Project Arsenal Amputee Football Established 2015 Participants since starting 30 plus Weekly participants 12 Sessions Tuesdays 6pm to 7.30pm Arsenal Hub Available to Participants with upper limb amputations Lower limb amputations And multiple amputations More info at lhoward at arsenal.co.uk Isaac, participant I heard about the scheme through social media and I wanted to chase my dream of playing football so I got in touch with the club and since then I fit in like a glove I approached the staff and was involved within a week since then I have attended nearly every week including a period when I was out injured to support my team I worked with three incredible coaches and mentors who have helped me not just on the pitch but off it. It's really helped me to overcome and beat whatever situations I've faced in the last few months. We've had some deep conversations beyond just football. It's been really positive to share my knowledge and experience as well as learning. It means a lot as a player to be with a team that understands and does so much to help me grow as an individual. 
I've not just seen myself compete in the league and score goals, I've had opportunities at international level. In the last year, I've achieved so much to make myself proud, and I know I can continue to grow. It's helped my outlook on life to be more positive and thankful for things. I've just been offered a space on the Arsenal Coach Development Programme, so this is definitely just the start of our journey. Luke Howard, Arsenal Accessibility Coordinator We launched our Arsenal in the Community Amputee Programme in 2015, building on strong foundations set up by some of the players running their own team. Bringing the team to the Arsenal hub, we began recruiting new players and exploring the ambitions of the existing players, as well as running a coaching session with Theo Walcott, Petra Cech and Aaron Ramsey. During this time, we have seen amazing achievements from players, from playing football for the first time as an amputee, to representing the club on the Arsenal Coach Development Programme abroad, to seeing the team win national tournaments and our players playing for the England national side in Euro Championships and World Cups. This group has been running for several years and it's become one of our most well-recognised programmes, with some fantastic people involved. Looking at the progress of the players and the individual achievements, we are so proud of everyone. Now our aim is to continue the growth of the group. There are two photographs with this report. The first one, underneath the title, is The Group Lineup Before a Match, and the other is captioned Isaac with a Measured Ball Forward. Academy Young Gun, Brian Oconquo. The Basics. Born, London, December 30th, 2005. Joined Arsenal, April 2018. Height and weight, 6 foot 5 and 90 kilograms. Position, goalkeeper. Boots, Adidas Predators. School, St. Alois College, Highgate. Squad number, 108. Rate yourself. Out of 100. Handling 85. Position 90. Reflexes 97. Distribution 88. Strength 93. The past. Favourite Arsenal player of all time. Thierry Henry. Earliest Arsenal memory. When I first went on trial. Football memory that makes me smile. When I was a U15, I played a year up and performed really well. The moment I realised I could make it, when I started performing well regularly. One piece of advice I would give to my younger self. To treat every moment like it's the last, but to also have fun and enjoy it. Best subject at school, P.E. The first player who made me fall in love with football, Wayne Rooney. My position growing up, striker. The coach who has impacted my game most. All my coaches, especially my current coaches, Matt Doyle, Jack Wilshire and Adam Birchall. My most clutch moment so far. During my U16 season, I played up and I made a big save to prevent us drawing with the other team. Since the age of three, all I can remember is being surrounded by football. Whether it was watching it on TV with my dad, match of the day, having a kickabout in the park or even after school. Football has always just been there. Arsenal too. Some of you who follow the academy may recognise my surname. 
and that's because my older brother Arthur is also a goalkeeper. He joined the Arsenal Academy at a really young age, and as you can imagine, as the younger brother, I always really looked up to him and wanted to follow in his footsteps. There were so many footballers who inspired me as a kid, but having my brother involved with academy football made it feel like it was so much more achievable and it wasn't a distant reality. I actually started playing football as a striker, and I used to love Robin Van Persie and Wayne Rooney. Their combination of technical ability and aggression was something that I loved, but it took me until I was nine to finally put on the gloves and give it a go. I've always been really tall for my age, so one day when my team didn't have any goalkeepers, I thought, why not? Where is the harm in being a goalkeeper for a day? But I absolutely loved it, and I basically stopped playing outfield from that day forward. The funny thing with me and my brother is that we're so competitive, and we've always been like that. My brother had already been in an academy for years by the time I first tried being a goalkeeper, but I remember telling him, I'm going to be better than you. And that was the target from day one. Sibling rivalry is different. Arthur told me that he hopes I'll be better than him in the future, but I know he's joking deep down and it will come true. Anyway, after playing as a goalkeeper for a while and showing a lot of progression, my dad had a word with me and told me that from what he's seen around Arsenal, I'm ready and capable of making the step up to academy football. I remember when we used to pick teams as a kid. All my teammates would still pick me first even though I was just a goalkeeper. That was always a really nice feeling and something that gave me the confidence and belief that I could step up to the next level. Thankfully, an Arsenal scout called Francis worked at my Sunday team, Pro Touch, and he was able to get me an opportunity to prove myself in the academy. I'm so lucky and thankful to have had that connection with the club but I also feel like I've earned these opportunities because my mentality has always been one of the strongest parts of my game. Football is something that I love and enjoy, but it's never been just fun and games to me. This is something that I take very seriously, and throughout my life I've always felt like I'm one of the hardest workers in my team. Becoming a professional footballer is something that I'm desperate to achieve, and I know that doesn't come without hard work, discipline and sacrifice. I've seen it from my brother, and I know the level that's required to reach the top. Quite early on during my time at Arsenal, I had the realisation that I'm in an environment where I can become the best version of myself, and it's down to me to apply myself and showcase my ability. Sure, my coaches and family are there to guide and help me, and offer support, but ultimately it's down to how badly I want to push myself and work for my dreams. This season I've had to make the step up to full-time football at London Colney, and already it's been an amazing experience. Over the first week or two I told myself that it was all about being comfortable and familiar with this new environment, but I can't lie, I found it very tiring. I think everyone moving up from hell end does, but I've already eased into it and I feel like I'm becoming more and more confident with my new teammates in the under-18s. I've had to take some extra steps to make sure I'm ready for this step up too. I knew that it would be testing on my body, so I've had to take action with taking more care over my nutrition, sleep and recovery. I used to be going to bed at 11pm at Hale End, but already I'm so tired from the switch to full-time football that I'm falling asleep at 10pm. 
I've had no say there. My body is forcing me to go to bed. As for my targets for this season, people around me have told me not to put too much pressure on myself, and I've definitely taken that into consideration. But in my mind, I've always had the ambition to aim high, and if things don't quite work out that way, at least I know I've pushed myself to my limits and I've done everything I can do. The present. Favourite rising footballer, Arthur Oconquo. My best attribute on the field. Shot-stopping. One thing I'm doing to improve my education. I watch and analyse my games and other goalkeepers in the Premier League. Favourite current Arsenal player, Bukeo Saka. Favourite YouTuber, KSI. Hardest working teammate, Romari Forda. Most skillful teammate, Ethan Wanneri. Favourite training drill, Goalie Wars. Favourite music artist, Lil Baby. Strong young gunners are sustainable gunners. One thing I'm doing to help the environment is I'm telling more people around me to be more sustainable. The future. A player who could go all the way. Hopefully me, if I put in enough effort. One player I would like to play with, Cristiano Ronaldo. I will be happy with my career if I make it into the first team for a Premier League side. I want to make a difference by creating the perfect modern-day goalkeeper. One thing I want to add to my game, helping my teammates to perform better through my leadership. I'd be a better player if I had more knowledge and understanding of the game. If I could play in any other country, Spain, one person I want to meet, Cristiano Ronaldo. One trophy I would love to win, Ballon d'Or. Around the academy. Great start for under-21s. Arsenal under-21s started their Premier League 2 campaign with a 3-1 victory over Manchester United at Meadow Park on Saturday, August 6th. Marquinhos, playing on the right wing, was the outstanding performer, scoring one and assisting another. But it was United who took the lead through Charlie Wellens, who hit a superb free kick past Hubert Grechik. The Gunners, fielding Takahiro Tomiyasu, Matt Smith and James Olyinka as overage players, equalised just before half-time, through Kayan Edwards, after Marquinhos' effort had been saved. Early in the second half we went ahead, through a composed finish from Marquinhos, before the Brazilians sent a magnificent ball through to Miguel Aziz, who made the game safe for Mehmet Ali's team. Edwards, Marquinhos and Nathan Butler Oyadeji had chances to add further gloss as we started the season in a very encouraging manner. Pre-season roundup. Our under-21s came within minutes of earning an impressive victory on the road against National League side Bromley on Wednesday, July 27th, but were forced to settle for a one-all draw after conceding a stoppage time equaliser. Ex-Arsenal goalkeeper coach Andy Woodman was in the opposite dugout for Bromley, and it was his side who started the brighter. Tom Smith tested twice inside the opening 10 minutes. Mehmet Ali's side took the lead against the run of play midway through the first half, George Lewis's cross taking a big deflection and sailed over the trialist in the Bromley goal. Lewis and Kido Taylor-Hart both went close before the end of the half, while Billy Vigor failed to make clean contact in the box after a dangerous ball in from Lewis. Just when it seemed we'd done enough to hold on for the win, 
the hosts equalised in the closing stages, Tom Smith beaten by a curling free kick into the top corner. Four days later, our under-21s were beaten 3-2 by National League side Boreham Wood. We made an assured start with captain Matt Smith forcing Nathan Ashmore into two good saves, while Amario Cozier-Jubery also looked bright and threatened to run in behind the Boreham Wood defence. Despite our confident opening, the hosts took the lead against the run of play, Jamal Fifield rising highest to head beyond Hubert Gratchik after an in-swinging free kick. Mehmet Ali made a host of changes at the interval, including the introduction of Nathan Butler-Oyadeji, who made an instant impact off the bench, crossing for Kayan Edwards to finish calmly and draw us level. We soon found ourselves ahead for the first time in the match, Charles Sago Jr. scoring from close range after yet more good play from Butler-Oyadeji. Our advantage was only short-lived, Highland graduate Josh Rees drawing the host's level, rolling the ball beyond Hubert Gratchik inside the penalty area. With all of our substitutes already called into action, we were temporarily reduced to 10 men after Edwards was forced off with an injury in a spell where the home side went ahead, Danny Elliott finding the back of the net from a close range with five minutes remaining. Mehmet Ali threw caution to the wind in the closing stages, deploying goalkeeper James Hilson as a makeshift striker off the bench as we fought to restore parity, but failed to break down the National League side to earn a draw. Our under-21s wrapped up their pre-season with a good 1-0 win against St Albans City. A crowd of more than 2,000 were inside Clarence Park as Mehmet Ali's young charges hoped to end the summer's formalities on a high, ahead of the return of the Premier League 2. The match almost got off to the worst possible start for us as the hosts had the ball in the back of the net inside 10 minutes, but our back line was spared by the linesman's flag. Mauro Bandera had our first real chance of the match midway through the half, stinging the palms of the St Albans goalkeeper after being afforded time to shoot from 25 yards out. As the clock ticked past the hour mark, the deadlock was finally broken and in style too. Joel Idaho spotting Loris Marsimin off his line and lobbing the goalkeeper from all of 40 yards with incredible precision. Substitute goalkeeper Tom Smith produced a reflex save to keep out a close-range header as the host piled on the pressure in the closing stages. Our young side held on to claim a hard-fought victory against the National League South outfit and round off our pre-season campaign in the perfect way. Welcome to the Arsenal. As a new season starts, 15 young footballers embark on a very exciting adventure, their Arsenal scholarship. Our new first-year scholars, all 16 years of age, were awarded their scholarships over the course of last season and start 2022-23 as full-time footballers in our academy. A well-trodden path by stars of the current first team such as Bukayo Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe and Eddie Nikataya the youngsters will be hoping to make an impression in Jack Wilshere's under-18 team, perhaps get a taste of under-21, Youth Cup and Papa John's competition. And who knows, even find a pathway into the first-team squad. Good luck to all 15 strong young gunners. We know you'll do Arsenal, your family and yourself proud. Goalkeepers Noah Cooper Born Farnborough February 2nd, 2006 Joined Arsenal October 2021 Brian Okonkwo, born, London, December 30th, 2005. Joined Arsenal, April 2018. Alexei Rojas Fedoroshenko, born, Essex, 
September 28, 2005. Joined Arsenal, March 2019. Defenders. Luis Brown. Born, Murcia, Spain. September 25, 2005. Joined Arsenal, May 2014. Maldini Kachuri. Born, Lewisham, October 4, 2005. Joined Arsenal, March 2022. Joshua Nichols. Born, Plaisto, July 26, 2006. Joined Arsenal, March 2016. Mikhail Rosiak. Born, Bialogard, Poland. October 12, 2005. Joined Arsenal, May 2018. Kobe Small. Born, London, July 26, 2006. Joined Arsenal, January 2020. Midfielders. Harrison Dujak. Born, Westminster, January 9, 2006. Joined Arsenal, June 2016. Ismail Kabia. Born, Hengelo, Netherlands. December 10, 2005. Joined Arsenal, March 2017. Romari Ford. Born, Watford, March 26, 2006. Joined Arsenal, October 2020. Sebastian Ferdinand. Born, Watford, January 12, 2006. Joined Arsenal, May 2019. Forwards. Amari Benjamin. Born, Watford. December 4, 2005. Joined Arsenal, April 2019. Kamani Ryan. Born, Hackney. January 29, 2006. Joined Arsenal, June 2020. Osman Kamara. Born, London, August 6, 2006. Joined Arsenal, May 2014. 15 players on loan. At time of going to press, 14 young gunners have headed out on loan for season 2022-23. 18-year-old Mexican forward Marcelo Flores has joined Real Oviedo in Spain's second tier. Another forward, 19-year-old Mika Bireth, has joined RKC Volvic in Holland's Eredivisie. A third forward, the 20-year-old Swede, Nikolai Muller, has gone to Den Bosch in the Netherlands' second tier. Also heading to Holland is defender Omar Rekic, who has joined Eredivisie outfit Sparta Rotterdam. Nuno Tavares has headed to League One side Olympique Marseille for the season, making the perfect start as the 22-year-old scored a superb goal against Stade Rems on his debut in a 3-1 win. And playing for Rems was Follerin Balogun, who has also headed to League One for the season, and also got on the score sheet, the 21-year-old deftly heading home their consolation goal. Two defenders have headed across the border to Scotland. 20-year-old right-back Ryan Alebiosu has joined Kilmarnock in the Scottish Premier League, and 19-year-old central defender Alex Kirk has headed to Air United in the Scottish Championship. In the English Championship, 21-year-old defender midfielder Harry Clark has joined Stoke City and scored on his home debut in a 2-0 win over Blackpool, who had their own Arsenal loanee in their ranks, midfielder Charlie Patino, who came on as a substitute for the Tangerines, and our recent American signing Alston Trusty will be bolstering the Birmingham City defence this season. In League One, Tyrese John Jules will be hoping to fire Ipswich Town to promotion, and League Two crew Alexandra and League Two crew Alexandra have secured the services of 20-year-old goalkeeper Arthur Okonkwo for the season, and Arthur, brother of Brian, 
who is our young gun feature this issue, got his first clean sheet in Crewe's 3-0 win over Harrogate last weekend. 19-year-old defender Mazid Agongbo has headed to Crawley Town in League 2 for the season. And finally, another 19-year-old, keeper Ovi Echeheri, has joined National League South team Chelmsford City. Ovi's deal runs until January. Good luck to all our loanees. Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. They did it. Sunday, July 31st, 2022 will be a date remembered forever in English football, following the Lionesses' stunning victory over Germany at Wembley to claim the European Championship a first major trophy for the England national team since the World Cup win of 1966. And we don't need to tell you who lifted that trophy aloft as captain. Our very own Leah Williamson, who led her team magnificently throughout the tournament. Leah was one of only two players, with keeper Mary Earps, who played all 600 minutes of football for England in the tournament. Beth Mead also made an incredible contribution to Serena Weichmann's side, scoring six goals in the competition, which earned her the golden boot. And allied to her four assists, it was no surprise that she was named Player of the Tournament. Both Beth and Leah were also in the team of the tournament. Nikita Paris, then an Arsenal player, enjoyed a cameo role in the final, with Lotte Vubenmoy providing valuable defensive backup in the squad. And all the girls thoroughly participated in the incredible celebrations after the game and throughout the next day at Trafalgar Square and beyond. Leah summed up the achievement as simply, the proudest moment of my life, before adding, I'm lapping it up. I took in every piece of advice to take every single second in, because you are going to want to relive it, and I'll be reliving that for a long time. The legacy of this tournament is the change in society. It's everything that we've done. We've brought everybody together. Beth was also understandably thrilled. It's amazing for the game, not just for me. I really hope that this puts women's football on the map and projects it to another level and it gets what it deserves. Lastly, an honourable mention for the match winner, Chloe Kelly, a product of Arsenal's Centre of Excellence, who played 19 times for the Gunners, scoring six goals before joining Everton in 2018. Arsenal at the Euros Elsewhere, there was a big Arsenal presence at the Euros. Manuela Zinsberger played all four games for Austria, who eventually lost to Germany in the quarter-final, and Laura Weinrother played in their matches against Germany, Norway and England. Stina Blackstenius was involved in all five of Sweden's games, ultimately losing to England in the semi-final. She scored once in their 2-1 win over Switzerland. The Swiss, of course, have two gunners, and both Noel Maritz and Leah Valtis started all three of their matches. 
It was a tough tournament for Viviane Miedema, who only started two of the Netherlands' four matches due to Covid. She did, however, play all 120 minutes and captained the Dutch in their agonising quarter-final defeat to France. Lastly, Frieda Manum was involved in all three games for Norway, scoring against Northern Ireland, but they were unable to get through the group stages. And Raphael's a winner too. Remarkably, on the day Aaliyah was lifting the Eurochamps trophy, Rafael Souza captained Brazil to the Copa America Feminina title as her side beat Colombia to claim their fourth successive continental crown. Our defender played all 90 minutes of the final against the host nation, which was decided by a first-half penalty from Denbina, and ensured that Rafael's side didn't concede a single goal throughout their six-game route to the championship. Her tournament began with a 4-0 win against Argentina, which was followed by a 3-0 success over Uruguay. Another convincing 4-0 triumph over Venezuela secured qualification to the semi-finals, with a game to spare, allowing Rafael to be rested for a 6-0 crushing of Peru in the final group game. As expected, she returned to the starting lineup to help see off Paraguay 2-0 in the semi-finals, before playing all 90 minutes in the showpiece which ended with her lifting the silverware. It is the second time the 30-year-old has won the competition, having also won the 2018 edition, and sets up a meeting with Leah Williamson's England in the UEFA Comnable Women's Finalissima later this year, as the two captains go head-to-head to clinch the inaugural title. On your marquisa, go! Arsenal have snapped up highly rated 24-year-old American goalkeeper Kaylan Marchese on a permanent deal from HB Kogue. Kaylan spent the last two seasons in Denmark with HB Kogue, making a total of 43 appearances and helping the team to successive Danish league titles in 2020-21 and 2021-22. She started all eight of HB Koch's matches in the UEFA Women's Champions League last season, which included two games against Arsenal. Prior to her spell in Denmark, Kaylin, who began her senior career with Sky Blue Football Club in the USA, spent a year with Icelandic side Selfos, where she played 19 times and won the Women's Super Cup title in 2020. I don't think it's really settled in yet, but it's like a dream come true, said Kaylin. Arsenal want me to wear the crest and play on that pitch every day and walk into this facility every day with that badge and to represent the club. And that just raises it to a whole other level of it just being an absolute privilege to be in North London. Gunners manager Jonas Eideval was thrilled with the acquisition. Kalen is an excellent goalkeeper who will bring great quality to this club, he said of our new number 18. Her performances over the past two years in Denmark show that she is ready for the challenge of playing in England, and we feel that Arsenal is the right place for her to kick on. We welcome Kalen to the club and look forward to working together this season. Women's Super League fixtures announced. 
The Women's Super League fixtures have now been announced as Arsenal aim to go one better than last season and regain the title from Chelsea. September 10th-11th, Manchester City. 17th-18th, Brighton and Hove Albion, home. 24th-25th, Tottenham Hotspur, home. October 15th-16th, Reading. 22nd-23rd, Liverpool. 29th to 30th, West Ham United, home. November, 5th and 6th, Leicester City. 19th, 20th, Manchester United, home. December, 3rd and 4th, Everton, home. 10th, 11th, Aston Villa. January, 14th, 15th, Chelsea, home. 21st, 22nd, Brighton and Hove Albion. February, 4th and 5th, West Ham United. March 4th and 5th, Liverpool, home. 11th and 12th, Reading, home. 25th and 26th, Tottenham Hotspur. April 1st and 2nd, Manchester City. 22nd and 23rd, Manchester United. 29th, 30th, Everton. May 6th, 7th, Leicester City, home. 20th, 21st, Chelsea. 27th, 28th, Aston Villa, home. Further details on dates and kick-off times will be provided in due course, together with confirmation of the games to be played at Emirates Stadium. Dates will also be forthcoming for our Champions League fixtures, Continental Cup and FA Cup matches. Stay close to arsenal.com for all the details. Visitors Leicester City Football Club 30 years of the Premier League Game 613 Wins 209 Losses 243 Goals 822 Goals conceded 872 Seasons in the PL This is their 17th Highest position 1st 2015 stroke 16 Lowest position 21st 1994-95 stroke Finished in the top four once Most appearances Kasper Schmeichel, 276 Most goals Jamie Vardy, 133 Leicester City's ninth successive season in the Premier League The club's longest unbroken sequence in the English top flight since the 1960s Kicked off last Sunday in somewhat frustrating style with a 2-2 draw at home to Brentford after they had led 2-0 through Timothy Castagne and Kieran Dewsbury Hall. It has been a summer of surprisingly little activity for the club on the transfer front. Manager Brendan Rodgers' suggestion towards the back end of last season that his squad needed an overhaul has not come to fruition. But with over three weeks until the transfer window closes, a number of ins and outs are likely before the month is over. One man who has left is captain and long-serving goalkeeper Kasper Schmeichel, sold to French Liga 1 club and UEFA Champion Conference League qualifiers Nice. His departure means that only two stalwarts of Leicester's sensational 2015-16 Premier League title triumph, Jamie Vardy and Mark Albright, are still on the books, though many more remain from the club's long-awaited 2020-21 FA Cup triumph.
not to mention the Community Shield success that followed. Fifth in the Premier League in both 2019-20 and 2020-21, Rodgers' side finished in 8th position last season, one place outside the European qualifying bracket, thanks to a late burst of form that yielded 10 points from their last four fixtures. It was a campaign hampered by a succession of injuries to key personnel, with almost every outfield player sidelined at one time or another including several such as Wesley Fofana, James Justin, Wilfred Ndidi, Johnny Evans and Vardy for extended periods. The highlight of Leicester's 2021-22 campaign was arguably a 1-0 home win against Liverpool that ultimately cost the Reds the title. They also reached the semi-finals of the inaugural Europa Conference League, albeit after dropping out of the Europa League but there will be no European football for the East Midlanders this term, which may or may not prove beneficial to their Premier League aspirations. This afternoon's encounter should provide a useful pointer to what Rodgers and his players can achieve in 2022-23. The Boss, Brendan Rodgers, Manager, born 26th of January 1973, Carnlock, Northern Ireland, Previously, Watford, 2008 to 2009, Reading, 2009, Swansea, 2010 to 2012, Liverpool, 2012 to 2015, Celtic, 2016 to 2019. Leicester appointed Brendan in February 2019 after two and a half successful years with Celtic. After early retirement as a player, he made his name in management at Swansea City steering them into England's top flight before leaving for Liverpool in June 2012. He led the Reds to a Premier League runners-up spot in 2013-14, but was dismissed in late 2015, resurfacing at Celtic, where he won the Scottish treble two years running. Rogers departed mid-campaign for a Leicester side he would take into Europe twice and famously win the FA Cup in May 2021. Number 6. The new skipper, Johnny Evans, defender. Born, Belfast, 3rd of January 1988. Previously, Manchester United, Antwerp, Lone, Sunderland, Lone, West Brom. A three-time Premier League champion with Manchester United, Johnny has proved an inspired addition to the Leicester City ranks since he joined from West Brom for a bargain £3.5 million four summers ago. Calm, resilient, two-footed and strong in the air, he has established himself as the figurehead of the Foxes' backline, though injury restricted him to just 16 Premier League starts last season. A Northern Ireland international since 2006, the 34-year-old has now earned 98 caps. Number 10. Style and Substance. James Madison, midfielder. Born, Coventry, 23rd of November 1996. Previously, Coventry, Norwich, Coventry, Lone, Aberdeen, Lone. A £22 million capture from Norwich in 2018, James has proved an astute buy for the Foxes, embellishing the team's play with craft, skill and some spectacular goals, not least in 2021-2022 when he struck 18 times in all competitions and was voted Leicester's Player of the Year. Given his outstanding form, the 25-year-old was surprisingly overlooked by Gareth Southgate for England's UEFA Nations League games in June, 
but could still be a late bolter for the World Cup squad. Number 9. Still going strong. Jamie Vardy, forward. Born, Sheffield, 11th of January 1987. Previously, Stocksbridge Park Steels, Halifax, Fleetwood. Now embarking on his 11th season at Leicester, former non-league striker Jamie continues to add further layers to his legendary status at the club, where he is now generally regarded as the Fox's greatest ever player. The fast and feisty 35-year-old has scored over 150 Premier League goals, including 11 against Arsenal, reaching double figures last season when he struck 15 times, including five in the last four games, despite missing almost half the season with injury. Number three, a star in the making, Wesley Fofana, defender, born Marseille, France, 17th of December 2000 previously Saint-Étienne. Signed by Leicester from French club Saint-Étienne in October 2020 for £36.5 million, Wesley enjoyed a superb debut season in the Premier League, his class and authority manifesting itself repeatedly, not least in the FA Cup final win against Chelsea. His 2021-22 campaign, however, was preceded by a horrific leg break in pre-season that sidelined him until the following March. The 21-year-old centre-back will be hoping for an injury-free run that could yet earn him a place in France's World Cup squad. Number 25, the anchorman, Wilfred Ndidi, midfielder, born Lagos, Nigeria, 16th of December 1996. Previously, Genk, another injury casualty from last season. Wilfred played in only half of Leicester's Premier League games, missing the last third of the campaign. A long-legged, physically powerful Nigerian international defensive midfielder and occasional central defender who joined from Genk in January 2017. He has made a name for himself as one of the most effective ball winners in the Premier League. Still only 25, he won his first major honour as a member of Leicester's FA Cup winning side in 2020-21. Number 1. The new number 1, Danny Ward, goalkeeper. Born, Wrexham, 22nd of June 1993. Previously, Wrexham, Tamworth, Lone, Liverpool, Morecambe, Lone, Aberdeen, Lone, Huddersfield, Lone. Signed by Leicester from Liverpool for £12.5 million in 2018, Danny has spent the past four years as Kasper Schmeichel's understudy. With the Danes' departure, the 29-year-old now has the opportunity to nail down a place as the club's first-choice goalkeeper. Although another Dane, Daniel Iverson, will keep him on his toes. A Wales international with 26 caps, Danny was his country's number one at Euro 2020 and will hope for an encore at this year's World Cup. Number 22. The Rising Star 1. Kiernan Dewsbury Hall. Midfielder. Born Shepshed. 6th of September 1998. Previously Blackpool. Known. Luton. Lone. The revelation of Leicester's 2021-22 season, Kiernan started 23 of the club's last 24 Premier League games establishing himself as one of the main men in the team's midfield with his strength and skill and subsequently earning a new long-term contract. 
the locally born left footer is a product of the Leicester Academy who thrived on loan at Luton in 2020-21. The 23-year-old scored the winner in the Foxes' 1-0 pre-season friendly win against Sevilla as well as their spectacular second against Brentford last Sunday. Number 2. The Rising Star 2 James Justin, Defender, born Luton, 23rd of February 1998, previously Luton. Handed his first senior England cap in June, the former under-21 international will hope to further impress Gareth Southgate as he eyes a place in Qatar. James was in sublime form when he suffered an ACL injury in February 2021 that sidelined him for the best part of a year. But the 24-year-old, who can play at either right or left back, returned to the Leicester side for the closing weeks of last season, doing enough to warrant international recognition. Scouting Report Words Michael Cox Photography Getty Images Leicester City went into their opening game of the campaign as the only Premier League side not to have signed a single player in the summer, although their impressive first-half performance in a 2-2 draw with Brentford underlined the value of cohesion and familiarity. Brendan Rodgers' side dominated possession with a 3-5-1-1 system, found James Madison between the lines and created good chances. They faded dramatically in the second half, however, and Brentford eventually merited a point, thanks to a wonderful first Premier League goal from Arsenal Academy product Josh De Silva. It was perhaps significant that Rodgers, despite being able to introduce five substitutes this season, used only one change, hinting he's not entirely happy with his squad depth. Rodgers switched between a back three and a back four last season, particularly in the closing weeks. At times, his selections were hampered by serious problems at centre-back. The trio of Johnny Evans, Wesley Fofana and Daniel Armate is imposing on paper. Although they managed to get themselves into a peculiar shape for Ivan Tony's goal last weekend, with Evans uncharacteristically darting out of the defence and leaving Amate stranded behind the rest of the back line. Fafana has been linked with a move away, and Kagla Soyunku can step up if required. The biggest change in the defensive section is in goal. Kasper Schmeichel has departed after 11 years, a promotion, a Premier League title and an FA Cup. Danny Ward, understudy for four years, is finally the club's first choice. Last weekend, Leicester depended on their wing-backs for width. Both Timothy Castagni and James Justin are right-footed, although both have often been used on the left. Justin plays that role manfully and is impressive with his decision-making in the final third, but the Foxes do lack a left-footer who can properly stretch the play. In midfield, Leicester effectively used a diamond last weekend, with Wilfred Ndidi playing the holding role. He's good at breaking up play, positive with his distribution, and capable of dribbling forward. To his right, Yuri Thielmans found lots of space against Brentford and attempted a couple of excellent shots from distance, one of them striking the woodwork. The other midfielder, Kiernan Dewsbury Hall, went one better. His outstanding long-range effort at the start of the second half hit the post and went in. Clearly, Leicester offer plenty of threat from long-range, and that's without even considering Madison, 
an expert at shooting from around 25 yards out, especially when in inside left positions and from free kicks. Arsenal need little introduction to Jamie Vardy, who has scored more goals against Arsenal 11 than against any other Premier League side, which means he's likely to start despite Rodgers having Pats and Ducker, Ayose, Perez and Kelechi Ihinacho to choose from too. Vardy particularly loves to run into the left-hand channel, which means if Ben White continues at right back, Arsenal might naturally minimise any space in that zone. Extra detail. Last season of the 20 Premier League sides, Leicester recorded the lowest percentage of passes played with the left foot, and it was the same in the opening weekend of this season at 21%, compared to a league average of 33%. Only four players in the squad, Kelechi, Ithinacho, Kiernan, Dewsbury Hall, Luke Thomas and Ryan Bertrand are left-footed, with only Dewsbury Hall likely to start here. Match action. Premier League, Friday, August 5th, 2022. 8pm, Selhurst Park. Crystal Palace nil, Arsenal 2. Timeline. 8 minutes. Zinchenko has a driven shot well saved. 20. Martinelli puts us in front with a close-range header set up by Zinchenko. 41. Ramsdale saves well from Eduard. 42. Ramsdale saves again, this time from Eze. 85. Saka's cross is diverted past his own keeper by Gaye for our second. Facts. Mark Gaye's own goal was the 61st that we have benefited from in the Premier League, the third most behind Manchester United with 72 and Liverpool with 66. Gabriel Martinelli's opener was the first occasion the first goal of a Premier League campaign has been scored by a Brazilian. This was Mikel Arteta's 50th Premier League win as boss from 98 games in charge. Teams Teams. For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Shirt, red with white sleeves. Shorts, white. Socks, red. One, Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper. Two, Hector Bellerin. Three, Kieran Tierney. Four, Ben White. Five, Thomas Partey. Six, Gabriel Magalhães. Seven, Bukayo Saka. Eight, Martin Odegaard. Nine, Gabriel Jesus. Ten, Emil Smith-Rowe. Eleven, Gabriel Martinelli. Twelve, William Saliba. Thirteen, Alex Renasson, goalkeeper. Fourteen, Edian Kitier. Fifteen, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Sixteen, Rob Holding. Seventeen, Cedric Suarez. Eighteen, Takehiro Tomiyasu. Nineteen, Niklas Pepe. Twenty-one, Fabio Vieira. Twenty-two, Pablo Mari. Twenty-three, Albert Sambi Lokonga. Twenty-four, Rhys Nelson. Twenty-five, Mohamed Elneny. 27. Marquinhos 30. Matt Turner, goalkeeper 34. Granite Sharker 35. Alexandra Zinchenko For Leicester City, manager Brendan Rodgers Shirt, blue, short, 
blue, socks blue. One, Danny Ward, goalkeeper. Two, James Justin. Three, Wesley Fofana. Four, Kagla Suyonku. Five, Ryan Bertrand. Six, Johnny Evans. Seven, Harvey Barnes. Eight, Yuri Tonemans. Nine, Jamie Vardy. Ten, James Madison. Eleven, Mark O'Brien. Fourteen, Kalachi Iannaccio. Seventeen, Ayosi Perez. Eighteen, Daniel Amati. Twenty, Pat Sindaka. Twenty-one, Ricardo Pereira. Twenty-two, Kieran Dewsbury Hall. Twenty-three, Yannick Vistagor. Twenty-four, Nampalis Mendy. Twenty-five, Wilfred Ndidi. Twenty-six, Dennis Pratt. Twenty-seven, Timothy Castagna. Thirty-one, Daniel Iverson, goalkeeper. Thirty-three, Luke Thomas. Forty-two, Bubakri Sumare. Referee, Darren England. Assistant referees, James Mannering, Wade Smith. Fourth official, Robert Jones. VAR official, Mike Dean. Additional VAR official, Derek Eaton. Today's other fixtures: three p.m. unless stated. Aston Villa versus Everton, twelve thirty p.m. Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Fulham, Brighton and Hove Albion versus Newcastle United, Southampton versus Leeds United, Manchester City versus Bournemouth, Brentford versus Manchester United at five thirty p.m. No room for racism. The Arstor Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. For racism anywhere. Arsenal and the rest of the Premier League will not tolerate racism anywhere, and we are taking action to combat all forms of discrimination. But we can all do more. Challenge it, report it, change it, and together we can make a positive impact. Visit PremierLeague.com forward slash No Room for Racism to find out more. Hashtag No Room for Racism. Challenge it, report it, change it. Premier League, Arsenal. Take your seat. Sky Sports. Feel it all. Future. Forever faster. Humour. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. 
But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 